You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about the sixth and final season of Supergirl. But before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So starting off, he's our very own Lex Luthor, the man you love to hate, and that's Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing good. How are you, Nathan? <laughs> I'm doing all right. All so, right. <laughs> <laughs> what's new and exciting for you? Uh, well, you know, I was so excited about doing this podcast that I uh, I got COVID to put it off. That's you right. Know, uh, as long as I could. <laughs> I was going to put a disclaimer at the front that I'm like, we're recording this quite a while after the season ended because, <laughs> you know, originally we were we were waiting for you to finish watching the show. Yeah. And then you <laughs> and you got there and then you got COVID. And so then I was like, oh, no, we got to push it back again. So it's it's been yeah. several months now that the show has been I out. Mean, so my memories, eh, but it's fine. See, that's funny. It's still burned into mine pretty strongly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Save it for when we're actually talking about the season. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, anything, anything, uh, you know going on lately or i mean uh just been trying to catch up on you know everything uh geeky and nerdy um every time i turn around it's a new show it's a new movie it's a new product it's it's almost i i almost despair at this point in time but uh of trying to stay relevant but you know as long as i get the memes i figure i'm good <laughs> yeah it's almost like we had a year with almost no content and now they're trying to make up for it yeah yeah, yeah very much so <laughs> <laughs> all right but yeah it's good to have you back on the show ryan good to be here all right and next up he is the guy that always has a drink in his hand he is my buddy james how are you doing james good what are you drinking james uh funny enough actually i don't have any alcohol on hand right now it oh is 11 o'clock i know time. That, that doesn't that doesn't stop you i mean i mean <laughs> i always have a bottle nearby okay. but <laughs> Because uh, you right just now, have like you like you've had like spiked coffee before and stuff like while you've been on true. the show. So. That's true. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't take any time to like like do anything. Like I looked at the clock because I've been involved in a new game for the PS5, mm. uh, Horizon Forbidden West, and the game is amazing. It's such a deep story, and so I'm like in the game, and then I suddenly look up and I go, "Oh, I have like three minutes before I'm supposed to do this podcast. I should go like get." logged on so here i am i mean i guess i could put scotch and raspberry lemonade mountain dew (laughs) i feel like that just really ruins the scotch i i like i feel like who like some scottish ghost will just show up in my room (laughs) and like beat me to death with the the phantom piper (laughs) (laughs) oh man 
turning it into a scooby-doo episode uh, right <laughs> i'd watch it yeah <laughs> all right well wow yeah no i i feel like this is like an event it is a it is a sober james episode so i know we'll just have to see how that goes we will <laughs> <laughs> all right well, let's get to have you on the show james yeah always good to be here all right and finally finally she is our i don't know our resident expert on on kryptonians i don't know you you come on to to tell us about uh you know these these great uh you know shows of the cw and that is my buddy cammy how are you doing cammy I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Nathan. And before you ask what I'm drinking, I'll let you know it's dandelion tea. Oh, okay. So do yeah. they actually crush dandelions and yes. part of the tea? Okay. Yes, it's it's dandelion roots and assorted other herbs. I'm not sure. I, I presume it's not questionable, but over the course of the next hour or two, we might find out. <laughs> right. And I has has the Gina Torres cut out been behind you before or am i just noticing it now she's been there this entire time she <laughs> no i she mean has, i mean like she's moved houses been... with me okay I... <laughs> yeah i mean previous times you've been on not not like yes she's been behind previous times i've been on um we keep her here in the basement and i i often forget to let guests know that she's down here and they will come down and be legitimately frightened at you know a six foot life-size cutout of gina torres but that's only fair i was likewise frightened when this cutout showed up at my door one day like oh, six years ago somebody just like left it on your doorstep and didn't like give any context it was in unmarked packaging but i later found out it was from a show and it, that she was on and it was all you know they had sent me stuff before so it wasn't oh, okay. you know it was an odd day that one day that's almost like a twilight zone episode or something it's just like the cutout just shows up and it's like yeah try to get rid of it and it just shows up again or something <laughs> like welcome uh, to my life uh, but what's uh what's new for you cammy Oh, you know, just like Ryan said, trying to keep up with the, you know, avalanche of new content that's suddenly coming out now that, you know, the the industry, you know, came back together and started putting out superhero stuff again. And, and now we we live in a whole new world where I've got new TV every week again. Yeah. No, it's a lot. I mean, I, I'm kind of compartmentalizing and like doing streaming services like when I get to them and just trying to keep up with like the broadcast stuff, because it's like, mm -hmm. I can stop paying for a streaming service and then pay for it and just binge what they have and then stop paying for it again. So it's like a way to keep it like sort of sectioned off and, and just getting to it when I can get to it. You've hacked the system. You, you <laughs> need to write a, a self-help TV book on how to, how to juggle these things. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to do something. <laughs> so, all right, but it's good to have you back on the show, Cammy. It's great to be here. All right. And next up, those of you who have been following us for a while know we got our five-minute controversy. And in the five-minute controversy, we just talk about something that has uh, caused a lot of discussion in the Geekosphere, just as a way for us to unwind before we talk about our main topic. And also give you at home a little insight into how we think about, you know, certain things that are going on. And so today, what I wanted to talk about was uh, the sort of deep fake technology that uh, they're they're using. And in the past, you know, there have been some uses of this for actors that have passed away. So like, for instance, uh, in um, in Rogue One, um, 
Star Wars Rogue One, uh, they did have um, Peter Cushing's character, Grand Moff Tarkin. They did have um, Princess Leia uh, since Carrie Fisher had passed away. And they, uh, you know, created those characters digitally and sort of mapped them on like an actual actor that was, you know, uh, in, in the piece just to, uh, you know, convey some things that they couldn't convey without those characters. But now they're starting to use it for actors that are still with us. And it's a way of recasting without recasting, kind of. It's like, oh, well, we want like a young Mark Hamill, so we can just completely create him. He doesn't even have to be involved. He doesn't have to do any voice work. We can just take some sound clips and the computer will will do it in his t voice, but also with like his cadence and everything else. So it's not even like, you know, like stilted, like computer voice work used to be when you take sound clips and stuff. It sounds very conversational in the way that they do it. And so some people think that this is this is not right, you know, because especially since you don't need the actor's involvement or anything, that this could get into sort of a territory that we don't want to get into. So I'm just kind of curious for everybody's take on that as far as do you think is this is just a natural evolution of technology and we just have to deal with it we'll be seeing the same characters looking the same way you know forever now uh, for these big franchises or do you think that this is like oh this is this has all kinds of problems because you don't need the actor do the actors get paid you know like how uh, you know you're using their image you're using their voice you know all that kind of stuff like this is this is really scary territory and some, something that we should really put the brakes on um let's start with you on this one james um sure uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's a difficult area. I think my perspective comes down to, it, it turns into the imaging, right? So the image of Luke Skywalker has kind of always been what Mark Hamill looks like in the mm -hmm. original movies, like in every aspect of the industry. So in a comic book, it's relatively the same design as what looks like Mark Hamill, um, you know, albeit with a little bit of art, art, artist, art, artistic expression added mm -hmm. to it. Um, but we see it in in um, the way they use, uh, you know, book covers and things like that. So it does kind of come down to that question of like, I think for myself of, does the actor have the rights to their own image? So every time you're using it, they're getting paid um but then we do delve into that world of like well we're also recreating a voice as well like um and yeah i i mean it's kind of the same lines it's like that voice is kind of unique but at the same time we have voice actors who can do great impressions of other actors and do them in animation um as represent like Family Guy is a great example where they, they do find voice actors who occasionally sound just like the actor, um, but it's not. And so there's no rights paid to the actor that's being impressioned, so to speak. So yeah, it's a weird area. I don't know. I Because I, from a storytelling perspective, like if they're trying to tell that backstory, I get that. But at the same time, it's just like, you guys kind of shoehorned yourself when you made the decision like oh we'll just use luke skywalker you could have used any, any number any number of other like force users that were in the universe that were established back in like the legends and everything um prior to uh to be the ones to take grogu and teach him but you chose this specifically so i don't know i don't like it i don't like it i think it's i don't i don't know how to wade through it <laughs> That's fair. And um, Cammy, what about you? I think this is an area where 
we we have to live in this area <laughs> where something can be tacky but not wrong and i think this is tacky i think it's uncomfortable to watch i think the the ethics behind it make us kind of squirm but it's not technically wrong um you know as james just mentioned this is not the only way that somebody's likeness is represented outside of you know their their control their authority whatever we see this in art made for a given show we see this in a comic book representation certainly is relevant to to what we talk about here we see this in you know maybe a, a, an accompanying book that goes with the show where they're they may be describing a character to or using some sort of art of them on the cover and there's times where it can get questionable. I, I think of times where portrayed in their likeness, maybe portrayed doing something in a comic book that had this been a live action TV show, they may not have done, right? So there, there's, there's these gray areas that can come into this, even aside from the fact that that's just not me and you are making it look like it is me, but it's not technically wrong because it's the character that's being shown and not the person. Now, if this was something where they were trying to promote this franchise and they create some sort of, you know, computer-generated version of Mark Hamill doing interviews and doing PR for the show, and it is him, then we've run into an issue because you're impersonating a real person who is not a licensed character of the show. But technically here, they're not showing Mark Hamill the person, they are showing Luke Skywalker. The two happen to be the same image, but it is, it is a fictional character, so they are not putting words in his mouth technically. So it's not wrong, it's just very, kind of kind of cheesy kind of squirmy kind of tacky all right and ryan yeah i mean i think to a large extent we're all on the same page it's this is inevitable this was going to happen the moment they began like de-aging technology and so forth and uh, and honestly it's it's a matter of where the technology is outpacing our ethics to an extent um because and the sad part is it's Disney, who's at the forefront of this, so they're going to put their the dollar value above in anything else. And if they can find a way to use an artist's likeness uh, without, you know, compensating that artist, they're going to do this. Uh, we, we've seen this time and time again um, until maybe there's enough bad publicity. Yeah, but do we know that Mark Hamill wasn't paid for the use of his image in any way? We don't. But this is where I'm saying where where the technology is outstripping the ethics and the legality of it because we don't have a norm yet for this we don't have a you know, this is your standard likeness and live action likeness you know through technology usage and so on the one hand i think it's good for the story good for the fans not necessarily good for the individual artists but the flip side of that is prior to this technology you know disney would could have just they could recast you know this that was always what you would do you would just recast a new actor that looks similar to that original actor or at least got their vibe i mean we think about this for a second we've had what six james bonds we could have been having sean connery this whole time and uh and maybe the next james bond will be sean connery again now <laughs> thanks to this technology you know so that's not necessarily bad but uh it does 
so there's a flip side. So we're, we're not getting exposed to new artists because of this. And uh, using this technology, we're not necessarily compensating the original artists the way they should be. Maybe there's a middle ground where they're getting compensated, not at the level of, as if they were actually there, actually performing, actually doing it, because it is still their likeness. It is still their their portrayal of that character, but not as much as, I mean, yeah, but but more, more than voice work, less than actual performing and acting something in the middle there i think that's what we're gonna have there's gonna have to be and honestly it's gonna have to come down to the law there's gonna have to be a law that dictates this because if disney or you know big studios are in control of it then yeah they're going to exploit it every chance that they get and, and you know like literally if, if we went laissez-faire on this by 2025 every star wars and marvel movie is not gonna have any of the you know robert downey jr is gonna be back baby because you know <laughs> we don't need robert downey jr anymore you know and that's what we would get yeah. well yeah you actually you actually brought up the thing that i thought i was like oh yeah i'm gonna come at this from an angle that that nobody else is gonna think of but yeah you're you're that's exactly the route i was gonna go ryan because yeah i mean when you think about it like how many people over time have played hamlet right and how many people over time have played like any classic like theatrical character right like you know hundreds thousands you know of people have portrayed these characters but nowadays we get very special about like particular parts you know like oh like this actor the actor that initially played this part like they're they're it and if you don't have that actor then that you know i can't accept it anymore but the thing is, like that's that's how you know theater and, and performances have always worked. Is you know eventually you you know you recast, you know you bring in another person, you know play the same role, you know do whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that that's uh, like the real uh, issue with this is you know digitally recreated characters. And yeah, there is somebody that they're mapping Luke onto. So there is a performer yeah. there, but he probably gets paid a whole lot less since he, it's not his image, it's not his voice. And even if he is paid, you know, fairly well, nobody knows who he is. So he doesn't get like the kind of, you know, recognition that you would as an actor, you know, usually playing a part like that, you know. So but again, it's what David Prowse, you know, of uh, right. Of yeah, like a David Prowse, <laughs> right, exactly. Or Peter Mayhew or yeah, the people who are completely covered uh, for the, you know, for their, you know, during their performances. So yeah, it's it's I, I think that there's a, you know, sort of a, an issue there because if we do this too much, you get that issue. And it's kind of like the thing that people brought up when Stan Lee passed away is it's like, oh, he, we can still use him in cameos because we can recreate him digitally and put him in like every Marvel movie. And I was like, hmm, it still just doesn't seem right. Like to me, if it's like if it's not him, then it's not it misses the point. The point is we are recognizing Stan for like the contributions he made to media by putting him in those movies. If you don't have him, you know, but you're just putting his image in, it's kind of missing the point. And I don't know if it's, it feels almost kind of the same way here is like, we're, we're honoring Mark Hamill and his character, you know, by, by including him in these stories, but we're, Mark Hamill isn't involved. So it's like, are we really honoring the character anymore the you know the 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 performance you know and everything uh, you know i don't know i it just I, to cammy's point it just feels wrong <laughs> although legally i'm sure it's not wrong um no. so yeah disney made sure of that you know? right exactly <laughs> and i'm sure mark hamill got paid something but as you said ryan there's yeah. no standard yet for this so it's like what is the fair compensation for it so i don't i don't know and that's honestly that's for the living ones what were like the the dead ones, the past yeah. ones. Would their families get compensated? I don't know how that works either. I don't right. know if there's a standard for that. 
Right, yeah. but they've been doing that a lot longer, actually. You know, like yeah, all the way back to Forrest Gump, they've had you know uh, brought in people that you know huh. passed and and had you know them as characters in a movie. So, um, and using their images. So anyway, all right, but yeah, I that I don't think we solved anything here, but you at least <laughs> have some uh, insight into how we feel about it. Um, but uh, yeah, and apparently we lost James. I don't know what happened there. Uh, but we are going to pause for a promo from another fine podcast. And hopefully when we come back, we'll have James with us. I'm Mark McCray, the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And if you're not listening to our podcast, then you're missing out on amazing interviews with Larry Houston, Tom Tatawanovich, Keone Young, Michael Swanigan, Ned Hastings, Bill Gallier, Dan Gilvazan, Rob Lamb, and so many others. Kick back and let Dan Clink and I peel back the curtain on the animation industry. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast can be found on the ESO Network and all podcasting platforms. about at the top of the show we're talking about supergirl season six and uh we already mentioned uh that we are a bit of a ways we're like four or five months from the actual end of the season when we're recording this so it's a bit far for brian for ryan though it's probably only been like a month and a half since he finished watching it because you know he's slow like that <laughs> um but the other thing i'm gonna put in as a disclaimer is you know for our discussion of the season that this is the post-covid season and like all the other cw shows i do note that so there are certain problems that they had to deal with you know from the previous season ending early and obviously there was the extra problem with Supergirl that Melissa Benoist uh, was pregnant and uh, you know they, they had timed things for the pregnancy and then that got all thrown off because of the COVID and everything so like they had some things to deal with in the beginning of the season that aren't actually their fault um, that they that they just had to sort of write around and, and work with so um, I'll put that disclaimer out there but now we're going to tear it a new one. No, um, now we're going to discuss the season. <laughs> so um, to talk about like that first block of episodes, basically, you know, we have, um, you know, the, the season five sort of ending, which is just one episode. Um, and then they have the sort of storyline of Kara trapped in the phantom zone and then what everybody else is doing you know, back uh, on Earth while that's happening. And I'm just sort of curious what everybody's thoughts are of how well they handle not having Kara, like with the main group and, you know, the resolution to the previous season and all of that. So um, let's start with you on this one, Cammy. Like, how did you feel about just that chunk of the season? I mean, it was slower. It was very obviously disjointed, but it was better than them having her carry a big purse or stand behind a couch for half of the season, as we've certainly seen in many other shows. So, yes, I I thought that was it was actually pretty well done. And both 
leading up to it and the reintegration of her, they didn't hand wave it away too much. They didn't try to make this like a, oh, we kind of, we have to go through this plot point where she's away, you know, for availability reasons. But once she comes back, we ignore the fact that she was gone and try to move on full speed ahead with the season that we would have wanted. So I, I like that they acknowledge it. As you mentioned, this, this season was obviously disrupted Mm -hmm. by COVID. And even though I think at the point that this was filming, you know, there were a lot of adaptations in place and, you know, we were, the, the industry was on a road to norm normalcy slowly, but surely at this point. So I, I think this was actually less impacted than for example, the flash, but there are still moments where you can tell a season or a particular episode might be somewhat underpopulated compared to what we would have seen had there not been, you know, cast restrictions or how many people could be there. There were moments where I would have expected hugs or kisses or something like that between characters. And we don't get that because there's less touching. So there's some, there's kind of a few layers of things happening here that make this a little bit slower and colder i guess no pun intended okay um james what do you think about the sort of i think it's six or seven episodes the of the of the of the season yeah um i don't know it i i think i think tammy nailed a lot of it down really it was just it because of all the restrictions i did it felt kind of disjointed a little janky like things weren't super flowing all the time um the division of the characters was was definitely awkward as a viewer because i'm used to seeing all these characters almost always on screen all together um with that i still enjoyed the storyline that they were telling um i still enjoyed um the wrap up from you know getting cut off <laughs> in the previous season and being like no but but that doesn't seem like a logical conclusion. Why, why did we stop there? Um, you know, and kind of getting through the rest of it was nice. But yeah, I it, it's it's not my favorite part of the season, but with everything going on, it makes sense why it works the way it worked. Okay. And Ryan. Well, okay, so I feel that actually given the the given the situations plural situations that the beginning wasn't as rough as i was expecting i was i I, after the flash i was like okay this is gonna be bad i still think it's the weakest part of the season i still think it it was not great at all but it didn't it wasn't as bad as i was really expecting it to and i will actually give them credit for kind of seamlessly fairly seamlessly weaving uh, the the multi-chaptered uh, seasons into like one flowing arc, one flowing story. Like the, the Phantom Zone arc flowed pretty well into into the next one, and, and then and then and then into the whole you know Infinity Gauntlet route or whatever <laughs> they were going. Um, it 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 worked, and so in that sense, I gotta give them credit for that. And I will also give them credit for carrying on Kara's PTSD. Like she was for the rest of the season, she had 
fear of phantoms and of, of what happened to her there and everything. And so I, I actually give them credit for that. Now, I recognize this because of the circumstances that made them drag that out, because usually in a CW show, she would have been, if, if there wasn't pregnancy, if there wasn't COVID, she would have been in the phantom zone for half of an episode or something right. like that before they invented the technology to get her out. And, you know, um, so in, in that respect, uh, I actually think that from a story-wise aspect played better for them. I kind of hated that they, you know, introduced her father and brought him back and you know he's gonna save the environment and then disappear like that when it doesn't work the first time and um you know so i had issues oh but, go ahead what about bringing mcgon back and then just having her disappear and it's like hey what yes. I, like, I my like, where's mcgon like she was there when they were dealing with phantoms and now she's not there like yeah what happened at, at, at the end of the season someone mentions oh and you and i think brainy mentions yeah you and mcgon's child and and i'm like oh my God, that's right. She was here somewhere. She's a person. Yeah. It's in this show. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah. There, there were some, there were some things like that where it was a little disturbing. But yes, you're right. Like, how many times has Barry been like sent away to a, a realm where no one will ever be able to get to him, and then like half an episode, you know, later, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. no, we can't have Wally step up and and do a show no. about him or or you know the kids from the future or any of that. You know, we. We're I not mean. Cisco spent an afternoon and figured out a way to defeat the laws of physics and <laughs> right. time and space using something that has like a triple a battery to, to bring you know uh very back yeah yeah so um yeah i mean all right so for the first off i think we're kind of glossing over the fact like to me like that episode the one singular episode they used to wrap up the previous episode felt like a whirlwind like that was like oh my god like and again i get it she 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 you know they they were writing around the fact that they had already filmed some footage but they yeah. didn't they couldn't bring her back for that first episode and so it was kind of like we just gotta like wrap things up she ends up in the phantom zone whatever um but that episode like to me just felt like wow like that like a lot was crammed because i think that was like three episodes of the previous season what should have been like three episodes just crammed into one um but but my um but my kind of issue, or I guess what I feel like, I feel like the Phantoms were such a weak character or like such a weak idea as far as like, oh, these Phantoms are getting out and they're converting people into Phantoms. And woo, I, I don't know. I just, I, I felt like that was like really tedious, especially because like the nature of the Phantom Zone changes, like it seems like every time they bring it up. And, you know, it goes from the original depiction of the Phantom Zone, at least, and what I remember from everything DC that I watched or read as a kid was that it's called the Phantom Zone because when you're there, you're, like, ethereal. Like, you can't, like, interact with things, and you're like a phantom when you're there. Now it's called the Phantom Zone because there are literally creatures called phantoms that live there. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It just felt like a kind of... The next version will just have the phantom in it and you have to fight him for eternity <laughs> billy zane like, like putting on the costume like 40 years later i would pay to watch that i would be fine with that actually you know? what ryan you said you never watched it no no i, I said i would pay to watch oh that. you'd pay to I watch would, it yeah. okay yeah, yeah, or, yeah. but you know and then it's but just take it to the logical conclusion it's the phantom and then of the opera and like everywhere you can go with this you know? Actually, that would probably be more interesting. My wife would definitely have been more into it. But... 
they made the mistake of trying to have the villains be somewhat comedic at multiple parts in the season. I think they were trying to, mm. and I just didn't buy that. And I think that was what made some of these villains weak. Cause I want to blame it on their powers or personality, something there, but honestly, anything can be overpowered or underpowered in this show and be hand waved away with, you know, good acting, good setup, whatever. But it was, there was something about it where every time they were trying to be kind of quirky or funny, I wasn't buying into it. So I, I wonder if it was almost a humor struggle. Yeah. But the other thing that I wanted to bring up is after they give us this interesting idea of Lex Ascendant, because he's being honest. And, and, you know, of course, they're playing into, like, the sort of the Trumpism and whatever of him. Just, like, if you if you say something, if you assert it as this is a good thing that I've done and you tell it honestly, like, a lot of people will be like, hey, I like that. He's a guy that tells it like it is, whatever. I actually love that. And then just, like, can have him disappear for, like, half the season. I was like, actually, I think it would have been more interesting to have the Lex part of the season be that part where Kara wasn't there and to have everybody else have to deal with Lex, you know, without Kara. And, and I, I felt like that would have helped hold the interest, you know, while, while, you know, we didn't have our main lead. Um, yeah. I, I think I would have liked that better than the sort of like besotted Lex that we got in the second half where it was such a different character than what John Cryer had given us before that. And it was all about, Oh, I love her. I love her. I must have her. I will do anything for her. And it was just like, Oh, Oh, this, this hurts. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts to see you like this man <laughs> so i don't it, know it, I, it hurt when you realized he was sincere like through right. half of through most of it i was like oh this is a this is a play this is lex you know he's got a plan and then no no wait this is this is really happening you know and then it's just yeah i felt like all of john Cryer's work as lex just kind of started draining away as an expert over consumer of really bad CW romance, unfortunately, I knew that was real the entire time and it made it so much worse. <laughs> yeah, John Cryer's like, uh, I spent some time on the set of Riverdale. Uh, <laughs> was he shirtless in the rain the, and uh... just cut? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but, but unless he's played high school football, does he really know the highs and the lows of life? I mean, the epic <laughs> highs and lows. <laughs> <laughs> that meme oh, yeah. dang it ryan you just ruined superman and lois for me now that would be funny because you know like lex disappears and it would be funny if the cw had just had him show up on like a bunch of the other shows like just in the background not really doing much just like with like a notebook like writing stuff down like you see him in riverdale you see him in like vampire diaries and stuff, and he's just, like, stuff i mean down. they're basically doing that with john diggle at the moment <laughs> so that's true <laughs> just just happens to be in the area and he's just like i was in the area i heard you could use some help i have something you might need and we're like why are you here john i can't talk about it it's super secret but we're kind of hinting at a green lantern thing but not a green lantern thing but it's a different thing in like every show's defense if you had diggle available to help wouldn't you need help like don't that's we all well that's, that's what, what i've been saying I, is it's like yeah the diggle appearances have been stupid but it's like but it's diggle so but, i mean it's yeah. like, right. like, it. I, like they want to get me all in on all cw like do that like have him show up in in, in riverdale like i'll watch that episode <laughs> right just yeah. because the nerd in me is just like but what if it's something leading towards a green lantern show i don't want to <laughs> miss it <laughs> 
Because suddenly they're on like the modern remake of Nancy Drew, and it's just like, oh, of course, yeah, he and Nancy go way back, honestly. (laughs) I I still, I still like Nancy. Makes as much sense as when they established that he was like, like the former lover of Ryan's mom and Batwoman. (laughs) (laughs) That was super (laughs) random. (laughs) This is. This is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, yeah. Oh God, yeah, Diggle. Well, we'll get to Diggle. Yeah. We'll get to Diggle. But um, yeah. Just, yeah. just imagine Lex traveling from show to show, like watching you know teenagers make out, taking notes, leaning over right. their shoulder. Right. <laughs> He's so understudying. Like, you know. <laughs> now, does it oh, seem God. better in the rain, or is it better without the rain? Um, and do you need the shirt or is that <laughs> overall there was this very teen like quality to what you're originally describing though which is yeah. you know yeah. him being suddenly so romantically wrapped up yeah. in another villain where he wrote poetry <laughs> right I, I just it, it was difficult to reconcile with a character whose greatest romance was with power yeah. And we had already established that his greatest love of power overrides his, you know, affinity for his family, affinity for his sister, so on and so forth. So it's difficult to imagine a romance being higher than that. And I'm not sure they really sold that well. You can sell a romance that is greater than love of power, greater than love of, you know, destruction or life, greater than, fa- you know, that's possible, but that's a really big ask. And it usually requires, several seasons of lead up with a really intricate character and we just didn't get that here well well, yeah and they tried to hand wave it with oh all that happened when he was in the future and it's like oh well okay we're not even gonna do the work to sell it it's like it already happened now just the biggest hand wave right exactly and then like yeah that was the whole thing of like oh that's where lex has been has been in the future like it took me a while to figure out like what what they were trying to tell us because it seemed like Lex just showed up again but then it's like oh like they're not because at first I thought they were saying this is the Lex from the future but then they were like oh no actually the Lex from this time went into the future somehow we're not going to explain that either yeah. like how he time traveled and now he's back and it's like well, he oh okay he, I mean honestly that part didn't help I just assumed he stole the technology when he was on Brainy's ship on the Legion ship oh uh, yeah the that's previous true season yeah you know but um, my thing about that, I, I, the, the best part to come out of that was Otis. You know, just uh, his interactions. With, I, I would paid, I would pay to see Otis in that show, all the time. More it, I, that show should be actually retitled the Otis Show, uh, in my opinion. But because otherwise, Lex, Lex was just again. I, I, maybe it's because we'd never seen his character portrayed that way. But I just felt like it took away from mm-hmm. what we had from him and it just he was no longer threatening i liked nixley but i did not like whatever their what, what's their what's their celebrity name what were their lexley i don't know what <laughs> that would be but yeah i didn't care for that take <laughs> that back don't ever say it again yeah <laughs> <laughs> or say it three times and see what happens you know? <laughs> oh god don't say it backwards anyway yeah i i don't know i, I... Uh, all right so yeah let's talk about like everything after the phantom zone now or the... <laughs> <laughs> so all right so first of all i i've hated what they've done with mickey spitlick in this series um and, and and granted the new guy is better than the first guy when they made him like you know this hot like you know guy that wanted to romance Kara, like that was like way worse 
but even like the you know this new guy that they have playing Mixie Spitlake, you know, he's kind of like, eh. you know, like I, he he doesn't strike me as like the the imp character, okay, like the the troublemaker, you know, like the thing when, when you know when I hear Mixie Spitlake, I I mean I've known that character from all the way back in Super Friends when I watched it as a kid. Like he's he's the ah. troublemaker, you know, and that's the thing. He just seemed like kind of like a I'm a guy with a lot of powers and I just sort of hang around, you know, like it's kind of more like a slacker, you know. <laughs> and hey, every you're, once in a while, you're wrong on that one, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. If Thomas Lennon, the guy who plays him, is phenomenal. Like if, if you've ever never seen Reno 911, mm. uh, or or he was even in the Odd Fellows, but I think he was actually perfect casting. Maybe maybe it's the directing, or maybe I don't know. Mm. He was, I don't know, but I think I felt like he was. Perfect. I still, I say, I go back to Superman the animated series. They should have done Gilbert Gottfried. That's the guy. <laughs> if you've ever seen the Superman Fine. the animated series version of Mixie, that's the version. So. And I show up. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, oh my God. That's the thing. The whole point of the episode, like where he shows up, is that he annoys Superman to no end. And I'm like, Gilbert Gottfried, that was perfect. Just screaming in his ear for like an hour. I would sign on to that if I can get Gilbert Godfrey and Otis in the same scene. I don't know why, but that would work for me. And every time Lex Luthor appears, he shows up like Kramer from Seinfeld through a doorway. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. All right, but yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, but then again, it's another character that they just forgot about. You know, like they put him in like the little ball and then like he, he's gone, like we don't really talk about the fact yeah, that like the even by the end it's not like him. oh yeah is he free now is right. he not I, no okay he's All free right. <laughs> it's just another drop like thing from this season where it's like a lot of stuff just kind of happened and then was done and then never got resolution just... i think it was a pacing issue but like a lot of pacing issues i can see how the you it's kind of a lose-lose either way mm-hmm. either you drop a mid-tier storyline that wasn't really engaging people that much or you continue it play it out to its end and it remains a mid-tier storyline but we just got too much of it yeah all that i felt was like in the last episode he should have been there like as far as like just to show that hey he's yeah he's out he's better we we you know we got him you know restored him or whatever um but i i feel like they did that with with a couple of different things it wasn't just uh it was mixly it was also um like Lex going to the future, like I said, it, it, there, and, the, and then there was one episode where like Dreamer threw, threw out a line. I was like, I, I went and I searched and I couldn't find it. And I was like, wait, did, did you, did, did I see this? And it seems like there were like multiple things that happened off screen. And I don't know if that's because, you know, COVID we were missing episodes or what, but like there were multiple points where I just had to pause and think, was I, did I fall asleep during that? Or did that just not happen? And yeah, that was one of them, you know? No. I don't remember what it was, but I remember Dreamer said, yeah, I went, it was probably one of the totems. And she's like, yeah, I went and I tried to track it down. And, but she made it sound like she, she and Brainy went on this like whole adventure. Oh yeah, that, that, that was the best two episodes, the time travel, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But yeah, there, there were a couple of times where I thought they must've had an episode that I missed where Dreamer went off and did something. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. I mean, we kind of glossed over the time travel episodes when we were talking about the first block. Cause I, I again, my poor yeah. memory, I'm thinking of the fact that it was just like phantoms getting out of the phantom zone. Ooh, yeah. Like was the whole thing. But you're right. No, those two episodes were fun. Yeah. 
I, and honestly, I didn't miss any, it was just Brainy and Dreamer and I didn't miss anyone else, you know? Um, the casting for Young Kara was kind of bad, but otherwise it was, those two episodes were probably my favorite of the season. Yeah. And I felt like the young Cat Grant was like a bridge yes. too far, but like <laughs> she played it well. I just felt yeah. like this just seems like really far-fetched that we have a young Cat Grant here. Have um, you seen any other CW show? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, but at that point, that's when I knew we're going to see Cat by the end of the season. I'm like, if they're bringing back Cat Grant, even as this young character and reminding us about Cat Grant, I'm like, that we're, we're going to see her by the end. I never needed to be reminded. I am always thinking of Cat Grant. <laughs> that's fair. No. Yeah, that's no, fair. I, mean, I can't fair. say how many times I've just been like, I wish Cat Grant was still in charge of Catco. Why? Yes. Why is she not still in charge of Catco? <laughs> yes. Did they? Did somebody not bribe her enough? Like, how much did we offer? You know, did, did somebody offer to sell a soul or two? I don't know. <laughs> well, and that was like one of my issues with the season was specifically like everything at like having to do with Catco. I I know what they were going for in like uh, the whole storyline that they were going through with uh, what's his name? The journalist dude. Oh, William. William. Um, and, and, and like the integrity of journalism and all that. And yeah, I was like, we know we I, weren't going to get it from Cara. No, no. They keep like that, is a that boat that boat surprise winning when she <laughs> quit that was like one of the best things about this season i was like thank you because you weren't willing to do the job i'm glad to see you quit because i mean i would have preferred for her to be a journalist but if you're not going to be a journalist then quit i know it's like you've won one award but how much do you actually ever write because you're doing superhero <laughs> stuff all the time but yeah no i i like I just did not like the lady um, yeah. who was in charge of CAC. Like, I just, I didn't like Andrea. Her. Andrea, Andrea, thank you. Yeah. I didn't like her as the weird super villain thingy that they established in the previous season. I didn't like her in this season. I didn't feel like they knew what to do with her. So that's why they were like, oh, she suddenly doesn't care about ethics and journalism at all yeah we'll she just have that from just thing. being like somebody who was like hey let's make this clickbaity to i am actually an evil person that doesn't care about anything because so long as i get viewers you know like because i think the villains were weak i think they were using her character to just create more villainy right just to rebalance the system and here's my problem with that a, it kind of came out of nowhere. B, her whole setup was that she was sort of a, a morally gray character mm. originally. She was sort of living in this in-between where she could kind of be an irritant, but she wasn't like full-on bad. Mm. And I think we needed more of that irritant. We needed more of that character that is not necessarily clearly good or bad, but, you know, maybe irritating and opposing this Pollyanna heroism that Supergirl has furthermore i found it unrealistic that she wasn't hooking up with lena luther so that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me yeah i i oh uh, yeah because like i kind of liked andrea last season i i was you know like you say she was morally gray you you right. get the fact that she was being coerced into a lot of the bad mm -hmm. things that she was doing and so it was like yeah i mean she's she's someone that cares about profit and you know it might be a little sloppy on the journalism to get clicks but not like somebody who is literally like 
yes like you must go in you must do dirty tactics you must you know do things that are unethical and you know all that kind of stuff and i order you to do that william you know like that kind of stuff where it's just like oh like you've taken a nuanced character and taken away the nuance i I think i'm in the minority here because while i didn't care for her character or storyline i didn't think it was necessary but maybe she's like the best they could get because of COVID or whatever. I, I actually found her reasoning believable. I mean, she lost her basically her family fortune, the entire company. She was in disgrace uh, in the eyes of her father, even though she like basically robbed him blind. And uh, this all she had left was Catco, so she had to rebuild. Catco needed to be a success, or she was a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of what I got. Oh, that she was willing to do any. This was her last chance. Is the impression I got from her and she was willing to do anything to make it work uh to, she wasn't evil she was just am, unethically ambitious it came across to the point where she basically by pushing that whole thing by publishing lex's journal i, I will say also that I, I feel like she was well i don't think she was necessary i, I think i feel like they kind of had to have her at the same time if that makes sense because otherwise they were in danger of going down the whole Lena Luther. She's a Luther. She's going to be evil. She's, it's just, it's going to happen. You can't have a, a Luther in a story without them ultimately being the bad guy. It happened in Smallville. It happens in every Superman telling ever. And so I was glad that they just finally decided this season, like, no, you know, we did that. We played with that. We played with Lena being the villain. And now we decide she's going to be good from now on. And while, yes, yeah, suddenly she's turning back into, you know, Morgana from Merlin uh, of her. And so that required them to have Andrea be kind of villainous. Okay. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I just felt like to me, like they were taking it a bit too far with the character. Well, but... and I guess hearing now what, what you're saying, Ryan, it, it makes sense with William's story because of what they wanted William to be, which, which is ultimately his tragedy, right? It's this guy is the most morally right guy. And that's why he's such a good match to Kara because they're both fairly more like really morally right people. Like they always want to do the morally right thing. So then when we have, the events happen to William, you know, in which he's shot and everything that makes William's character so much more tragic because just before that is when he stands up to her and he goes, listen, I will not compromise ethics. I will not compromise myself. Like I believe in ethical journalism. I believe in doing the right thing, no matter what. And I'm not going to do this for you period. And now they've set him up. He's the, he's the perfect pariah that, well, that the 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 audience will rally around when that happens because it's like, no, he's the most ethically just justifiable person right now. Why? When you said the character that they want William to be, I was snickering just because they clearly wanted him to be Kara's love interest. But I love the fact that as soon as Kara's back, they're like, since this is the last season, we don't want to do that. Like, go down that route. He doesn't so get to like, have love. Pull that story back and be like, he's just like. Oh, I met somebody else. And it's like, and then they just completely drop it. We never yeah. meet the somebody else. We don't know what's going on, but it's just well, like. They lack just... in quality when it comes to romance. They make up for inconsistency when it comes <laughs> to romance. She never gets love. I will say, I, I think you nailed it, that Andrea Rojas in the last season, it basically exists to make William look good. Yeah. 
that's yeah that's that's probably true yeah hey and we found out he's a cook we found out he's an excellent pastry cook so you know <laughs> well, well look they if every kind of virtue they could put on what he was good with kids he yeah. was a cook like they made him out because they knew they were going to kill him like once they decided uh, he wasn't going to be Kara's love interest it's like we're killing him off we're going to make you love this guy yeah. and then hate us <laughs> he all but rescued kittens from a tree <laughs> yes. hey, you know what make him Ran into diggle. a burning building for a puppy <laughs> <laughs> I just, he shows up at their at their headquarters. What do they call it? Their lair? I don't know. The watchtower. The watchtower. Do they call it the watchtower? Yeah, I think they do. Okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. he just shows up with like just kittens in his arms. Just like <laughs> Hello. I found the rainbow behind him. <laughs> Somebody was drowning. And then I just happened to have the time to bake these crumpets that are amazing. <laughs> he smiles. It's a recipe I got from an clothes. old woman that I helped across the street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On my way to, you know, teach or- blind orphans. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, well, you guys need this, like, like magic, right? Well, I just helped this old lady cross the street. Turns out she has this book of magic here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but That's anyway, it. yes, I mean... I didn't mind William. I thought that it definitely worked better to just focus on him as a journalist rather than because I like last season I kept groaning every time he was on screen because I was just like we're forcing a love, you know, story in for Kara where it doesn't need to be there. And so like it was a lot better once they took that off the table. I felt a lot more positively about William as a character. And, and, you know, I was able to just go like, okay, William's, you know, William's fine. And, and while his, his death didn't really surprise me because it seemed like, okay, this is why we've been building him up all this time, you know, but it, 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 you know, but it was, it was, it felt, it felt natural. It felt part of the narrative because of everything that had been going on. And it made sure to show that Lex is still, you know, like, you know, we, we, let's remind everyone how ruthless Lex is, you know, so he's just going to kill what like, cause he had left and then he comes back and goes like, Oh, by the way, and just shoots him, you know, like, or I forgot to do something. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what he says exactly, but he comes back and shoots him. Very you know? mafia boss. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they did to William what we expected them to do to Diggle for all seven seasons of Arrow. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Um, yeah. Diggle and, um, and uh uh jesse martin from uh the flash yes. like i i keep like thinking like how did how has he survived all this time because i thought for sure he was going to be like the season one ender death and as he's dying like tell barry don't let iris ever know that first season was hilarious for the don't tell iris stuff everyone else knows but don't tell iris but uh um cw logic (laughs) yeah 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 all right so so we kind of danced around it a little bit um you know this season we we tried really hard in the last few episodes to like like sort of promote some of the characters that we've had i felt like if you're on the last season it's kind of a little late to just kind of be like hey lena by the way guess what you're a witch you know and it's like wh- why why are we doing this in the second half of the final season or the whole thing where it's like oh by the way oh crap what is her name jimmy's sister uh kelly. alex's love interest kelly kelly oh kelly yeah so kelly like by the way you're the new because we really needed a guardian <laughs> so now you can be the new guardian that's what this show was lacking, another 
Your hero, shinier, <laughs> a shinier hero. See, here's yes. the thing. All right, so, so 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 here's like let me sort of thoughts here. First of all, we've all made fun of Guardian here. I don't think I need to like give the background on that. And it's like, okay, fine. Now you've made Guardian a female character instead of a male character, but it's still a fairly useless idea. Um, but the other the, the problem with Lena is that we didn't need to go there. She was already like like the smartest person on earth i mean they already kind of made it like lex is also already a little envious of her and how smart she is and it's just her own stuff that like holds her back so it's like she's already the smartest person on earth but we need to give her magic too like i don't know i mean i just felt like what what is the point of the storyline like why are we going here like couldn't she have just like invented crap that did the same thing as what her magic was like you, you get what i'm saying like it's just if they like, wanted to give her like a lena centric place where she had a new level of autonomy and power they should have had her carry the first half of the season in mm -hmm. Kara's absence maybe yeah. she should have just fully taken over the team and taken on all of Kara's responsibilities and had this whole thing where she is trying to like yeah be the um like ethnic ethical and moral center that Kara previously was. There were ways they could have done this where she's trying to get in Kara's mind because the whole you know premise was that she was trying to get in Kara's mind and she understands Kara better than their best friends, blah, 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 all of that, right? That is a way they could have had her do this without separating her off from the rest of the team. The story that we saw with her, you know, figuring out she's a witch or whatever, I loved it because honestly, I think they could write crap and she would still be able to deliver it wonderfully she's great but this was a season two maybe season three storyline this is not a final season storyline and they knew that yeah it just felt like trying to do something that you already have limited time it's your last season like spend it spend it doing more like don't don't just take like like oh let's do a character centric thing for something that like she already has enough science that she could do all the things she did with magic but with science and it's like but like taking a leadership role that would actually be development and that would have been interesting i mean this is what i think they could have done because cw is owned by warner brothers warner brothers owns the movie franchise harry potter God. so <laughs> hagrid shows up and he's like lena you're a witch he's like what and then they go to hogwarts and then we just spin off a whole new like mixed universe Oh my God. <laughs> Wait. I mean, it's what they wanted. You know, okay, so like suddenly Lena's showing it. up on Vampire Diaries and Legacy She's following and all Lex those. with I mean, his notebook. You know? the, the, aspects, <laughs> the aspects of what they did with that storyline, though, personally for Lena, I did like. Like the development of like more about her mom, who she didn't really have a lot of great memories of and like that connection back to that again i agree with what cammy said that should have been something that was like season two season three but i do appreciate we get just again anything anything that develops lena more because i do just like her personal life story more than her interaction with the heroes nine but, times out but of ten yeah, so, so don't get me wrong having lena learn about her mother is fine 
I just think the end point of all that it gives us is that, oh, by the way, you have magic isn't like, 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 yeah. like what Cammy was talking about, something that maybe made, would make Lena more assertive, more confident in herself, something that would cause her to like sort of step up and be like, hey, you know, like I've been afraid of my own, you know, like genius, but you know, I should be, and some learning something like that from her following her mother's journey might have been like a better like way to go with it. But I just, I just felt like that was a plot that just didn't need to be there. My my take on it is is recognizing that because I watched Merlin and she was played Morgana on Merlin, I kind of hated going this route with her. Um, that aside, I just also it just felt wrong to introduce the concept of of her becoming like a, a grand level you know uh, magician or wizard or whatever at this stage. Maybe if they'd done it in season two or three and they built up to it over time, it would have been. Now, granted, we're talking the CW and talking Supergirl, so obviously you you have to stretch, you know, incredulity and your disbelief uh, to the breaking point. But I, I felt like if they wanted to do an arc with her, why not have her like use science to explore like the fifth dimension, or or maybe even have her travel back to the Phantom Zone, and she could have gained every all the tools she needs to do exactly what she did that way but you know well especially when we find like her stances and interests as well it undermines what her natural you know power was as a very smart sciencey businesswoman Mm -hmm. it's like it's kind of this weird trope where you know when you have like tough cop who has to acknowledge that you know feelings matter or sciencey woman has to suddenly realize that there's a magical world or what it's that sort of thing where it's like this woman is self-assured so we're bringing in something she doesn't believe in to sort of you know shake her up and let her know that everything she thought might be wrong and i, I just don't like seeing strong they, female characters undermine that way sometimes. well and, and frankly they scullied her they scullied her like yeah the x-files yeah and frankly, I think it's a better message anyway to have a strong sciencey businesswoman character. Like, if you want, like, this is a great character for like girls watching the show or whatever to be like, because you can't be Supergirl, right? Like, you're not going to develop powers and fly around, but you could be. You could, you know, uh, you know, develop your technical skills, and you could, you know, uh, start a business, and you could do that kind of stuff. So, like, Lena's actually since they've built up the fact that, like, even though Lena's sort of like flirted with, you know, sort of like dark thoughts and whatever that she's not a bad person it's kind of like lena is actually a role model type character but instead it's like oh now we're gonna give her magical powers it's like okay well kids you're not gonna do that either so it's i don't know again i felt like it undercut what made her like uh interesting well they directly undermine her through lex uh because we see that lex makes technology that works with fifth dimensional energy and all that Mm. kind of stuff so it's like where we've established previously she's smarter than lex why couldn't she make this but lex could do it instead lena needed to go find out you know hogwarts is a real place and she can <laughs> learn how to be dumbledore powerful in a matter of weeks yeah. Uh, yeah all right so how do we feel about we've already talked about diggle what i call the diggle cinematic universe should be the new yeah. name for the arrowverse so you know, and it's great that Diggle can just show up, right? Like he's the it, most it, consistent show up, <laughs> right? Well, that's yeah. I mean, well, since he like now that Stephen Amell isn't part of the Arrowverse anymore, like Diggle is like the OG, you know, like the like the oldest character they have, you know, as part of the whole universe. And David Ramsey's directing for all the shows, and so like he's around, and so it makes sense that yeah, like he can just pop up anywhere, and I think that's kind of cool. But when they set up the idea that this particular year. 
this particular season, there was going to be a Diggle story arc where he <laughs> appears in all the shows and there was going to be a story that developed. And I watched as he showed up in Batwoman, Superman and Lois, <laughs> The Flash. And I'm like, man, this doesn't really seem to be an arc. This just seems like random events. I'm like, Supergirl is going to have to bring it all home because that's that's the last one. That's the one where we're going to see like what all this was leading towards. And I was expecting like everybody else, because there was a glowing green box that and Supergirl's an alien. And it was like, he's going to reveal, I have this ring. And then maybe either Supergirl or Brainy or one of them would tell him about the Lantern Corps or something like that. And like that was going to be like what, you know, I, I figured he would do something else on the show to help them. But it was going to be like as part of a thing of teaching him like what this ring was. Well, we get to our Supergirl episode and it's basically, uh, hey, Kelly, you want to be Guardian? <laughs> and that's like all it is. It's like they, I feel like they completely wasted the Diggle appearances this year. And, and we get it, we get him for the let's, let's bring back Guardian episode because we really needed God. to have Guard, like Guard, like without Guardian, the team was just like, you know, we have Martians, we've it's got, a, it's a full Kaluans, superhero we, recall. We need every you know, hero that's ever showed up in Supergirl. I, I, I don't get this need of all these shows to make everyone who's on the team a superpowered to have right. abilities why wasn't it just enough for kelly to be part of the team and you know be a good you know psychotherapist or whatever she did in her day job honestly you know, I mean, honestly they they undervalue mental health in all these like and i'm yeah. not just superhero <laughs> shows like sci-fi shows. like when they put counselors on starships and, and star trek like yeah yeah, they, they should have a counselor on the ship because yeah, really. you know, they deal with messed up stuff, you know. And so, yeah, like, yeah, having a, a, you know, a psychologist that just works with them, like, makes sense to me. Or just like <laughs> yeah, an it, idiot like me who's just like, I I have nothing to contribute, but I stumbled into here. And right. This is a cool place. This is great. Like, <laughs> I have ideas, but none of them are useful. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, I don't They've done that since it was Wynn, and then, like, oh, you know, Wynn's, I don't know. They've done it from the beginning, Jimmy turning him into Guardian. It's just, it, it's, it's unnecessary. Not, and, and, and I don't even think you can make the argument, the representation argument. You know, I, I, the, this season went full court. Like, they knew this was their last season, so they went for all the causes, which I'm fine with, but there it, it was a lot. I mean, I, I, it seemed like, like from environmentalism to extremism and politics to representation i mean you i was getting whiplash every now and then from trying to figure out you know uh what the moral of the story was you know i, I, I also had a problem with the fact that they had to drag Kara down to build kelly up you know mm -hmm. because suddenly Kara, who um, there's no like Kara became the i don't care about what's happening to those people because i'm thinking of higher things and things that i'm saving the world i don't need to work that's not Kara. but that and, and five seasons of Kara, that has never been her attitude Kara overstresses about saving everybody like saving the kitten as well as saving yeah. the world like you know like she wouldn't just be like oh, i can't be bothered with those people in that neighborhood over there like and then kelly having to teach her a lesson i don't no, I felt I felt that was a little it's also a different kind of depowering as well so if you have you know we saw for example take Arrow every single time Arrow was being used to spin off a new hero suddenly Oliver couldn't throw a punch without a team behind him right it, he was not 
as strong as what he had previously been because some other hero needed to look good. But you can come back from that. Next week, he could come back and suddenly, you know, be doing all these trick arrows and be back to full power again. It's a different kind of undercut when you have somebody like Kara, who her whole thing is that she is extremely you know, solid on her morals and ethics. She is absolutely our Pollyanna hero. And I'm, I'm not saying that with anything but respect, truly. Yeah. So when it's suddenly like, oh, she has this blind spot and she isn't aware of, you know, the, the privilege distribution for, you know, this, that, or the other, it, it's just kind of a, it's not the most tasteful way, I think, to approach what is a very real series. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it is something we all, you know, any of us with a conscience care about, right? But it, that's not how you tell it in this story because you're taking an alien like Kara with great love for humanity and you're undercutting one of her core values in order to prop up a new hero who otherwise we would have liked, we would have loved if she had been introduced in a way that didn't undervalue the ethics of our heroine that I really it it was a struggle and this show has definitely been very like on the nose and not subtle on (laughs) every kind of social issue and to an extent I'll kind of mock it but I don't mind because like I'm there I'm with you you know like we're on the same side I just think maybe you could be a little more subtle but like we're on the same side I get it you know put a you know put a big mean orange guy every season I you know (laughs) whatever it's fine but in this season it was like all of these issues that are actually very serious and I'm very like I care about very much are like 30 seconds in an episode and suddenly we're on to the next one and that just kind of I wish they had picked one and done it really well and for a show that their bread and butter is this sort of I wish there was a less cheesy way to say it but sort of this girl power thing in like the truest purest nicest form I wish that had been the one issue they chose to do very well and if that meant maybe you know unfortunately we don't get to environmentalism i'm a vegan i give you permission to leave that out of this season like i'll carry that flag for you (laughs) i wish they had done the the girl power a little better yeah no that makes sense but i mean too i i think it may have even been beyond that but there was a larger pattern of this uh it seems like they made Kara like apologize like five times this season. Like when they dropped the shield down around the city, she had to go to National City on camera and say, "I'm sorry, I made a mistake." And there just seemed to be this effort to undermine her and and uh, you know destroy her confidence in herself. And maybe this was a, a maybe I'm not giving enough credit. Maybe this was an aspect of her time in the Phantom Zone and her PTSD. In which case, looking at it in that light kind of makes sense. But well, otherwise, I felt like, like it was almost a course correction, but it might have been an overcorrection because we've talked before about how the series always makes Kara right about it. Like Kara is always right and about how that was sometimes problematic yeah. that it's like, you know, the hero can be wrong sometimes. And, you know, like that's an interesting storyline as well. Like you don't have to make it where like Kara is perfect, right? But yeah, it seemed like it was so much in just one season where it was like she would make a mistake and she would have to apologize and stuff like that. Whereas like, all right, like I, I, I want her to be able to do that and to be wrong sometimes, but it doesn't have to be like a bunch of times all in a row. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and, and it's also, I mean, uh, 
I, not now that necessarily want them. It also just seems like everyone immediately jumped to the wrong conclusion. Like for instance, if I saw a giant laser shooting from space and I saw Supergirl fly up and intercept it, my first thought is is that she's saving the city. It's not going to be she's trying to steal the power of the sun to uh, you know power herself up to fight a villain. So like I, I just don't get why. Why did you do this, Supergirl? Why did you betray us like this? I'd be like, thank you, thank you for stopping the giant laser from destroying my home. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It just seemed like everyone already just. Was it's ready a public to humility worst. aspect of it, like a PR public humility aspect that permeated a couple storylines this season that I just don't see in other times when, you know, not to make this a sexism thing, <laughs> but, you know, this is, a, this is a show about a female superhero and contrast with how male superheroes are. You see Barry, Oliver, every female, every male superhero out there mess up and they may... They may be contrite, but they very rarely have to like show public humility in order to improve their PR or, you know, oh, they had really good intentions and they care about humanity, but they didn't, you know, use the, you know, use the exact correct approach or priority to care about humanity. So they must be publicly contrite as if we didn't already know that they are on our side and on the same side and are a good person. There was something about being seen as a good person that kind of permeated this season that was a little uncomfortable, but maybe reflective of, you know, current culture i don't i i don't know i again with this i you know i am you know a he i'm a bleeding feminist here vegan drinking dandelion tea i'm on your side i just wish we had gone about it a different way you know what i mean yeah i mean i i, I get what you're saying because like the direct comparison would be like superman i i yeah. mean i've been watching superman and lois he causes a lot of property destruction in Smallville, <laughs> like a whole lot. I've never seen him apologize for any of it. Not one time. And neither have I seen the public been like, Superman just destroyed the grocery store <laughs> and half of that block over there. We're screwed, guys. And then be like, he needs to apologize. Well, well, all right. All right I will say this, though. Like, Supergirl, I think, has been more aware of media as a series than a lot of them. Like, even, even to the yeah. point of, like, you know, the thing with, like, Brainy making commercials for, like, people to eat their vegetables and stuff this season, which I thought was actually kind of funny. But, um, but, but, but uh, going back to, like, season, I think it was season four, where like they address the property damage thing in Supergirl and how that could radicalize like you know a guy that was kind of like yeah his dad was kind of a racist but he kind of wasn't a racist but he kind of lived with that kind of rhetoric in his house but then when like oh like this property destruction affects him and when you know like like issues like affect him then suddenly he became like someone who you know became very yeah. anti-alien um and so like Supergirl like I think has been more cognizant of that kind of stuff uh than than the other shows have been from the beginning even when it wasn't like focused on her specifically like i think that they are a little more focused on like sort of cultural impacts and stuff than than say superman and lois um so again i think it might be just about the writers on supergirl being more sort of like thinking about things in those terms um but yeah let's let's uh, move on let's talk about our totems and uh nixie nixley nixley um so uh, it seems like somebody is like crap we can't do like since crisis you know covid's happened right after crisis 
we you know we set up these paragons so instead we're gonna like take the same qualities and make them totems <laughs> you know because it was like wait a minute these totems those are the same thing like there's a totem of courage and there's a paragon of courage and you know all that stuff um except i think they turned one of them into dreams where there wasn't like a paragon of dreams but there was a totem of dreams i forget which one they subtracted from the paragons but anyway i looked it up at one point um like so it becomes a quest type storyline oh let's assemble like gra grab all these things before the bad guys do and all that kind of stuff like how did that you know with the idea that the whole romance thing between lex and nixley was going on like how do you feel about that how do you feel about nixley's character um let's start with you on this one ryan um i'll, I'll go backwards there i liked nixley actually i i did i liked her i liked her and mitch for some reason i thought they were great together um and i i even like i liked her story i mean like i was tuning like i don't know why she had to destroy earth to do it but i was rooting for her to get back to the you know fifth dimension and go to town you know on everyone who did her wrong i mean um they deserved it uh so in that sense i was I, and, and i mean she didn't trapped it in the phantom zone for what thousands of years or whatever i mean that's gonna mess you up so i was kind of all team nixley up until she left the phantom zone i mean you know i everything i, I could write it off as a little bit crazy and and i also loved you'd see that while she was driven mad for her quest for vengeance she was still somewhere within her like a good human being like she was not gonna let lex kill esme who by the way we're gonna talk about esme later but um she so i i felt like she was for like a one season villain I think she had a lot more depth than what they usually create. Maybe it's just the way she was portrayed, but uh, Nixley loved the totem quest. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> you know why, did this why did it have to be the last season? Like I could have overlooked it if it was season four, season five, or if there was going to be a season seven or a season eight, but like to go out on that, you know, it just, it was rough. Uh, it just, and uh, because, and then the, like, Honestly, I'll give them at least credit for it. I really expected all the totems to just coincidentally be in National City, and only two of them were. So, you know, that, that, that's impressive. You know? I'm pretty sure the other five were still in Europe, but whatever. Yeah, know? no, I mean, well, yeah, there's some sort of mystical, like, object, this all stone was broken into pieces, but all the pieces are on Earth. Like, what if it's, we're dealing with other dimensions and other worlds and planets. It's like they, well, they're not see, scattered throughout space. They're not scattered throughout it, dimensions. I think they addressed that. I actually think they said that like there was an all stone, uh, a totem for each virtue on every planet or something oh, like that. So okay. My thought there was, I might have forgotten so you can, that. yeah, you can assemble the all stone on any planet. Like why hasn't it been done by now? But right. that's, that's kind of what I was assuming. Well, the other thing that I thought was really weak is that Lex kept insisting that in the future you get the allstone but you get it the wrong way it's like what's the wrong way explain how you get it the wrong way and why that that like meant that you had to go back in time and help like like they don't explain any of it. it's just like again just like trying to just hand wave everything so that lex can be there in the situation they want him to be in and uh yeah like you would think if he was coming back from the future also he would have better information he even had like a digitized version of the future version of nixley that he could ask like how did you do these things and so then we can specifically alter the things that need to be altered but like it doesn't seem like he gets any like really specific intel it's just well, i have to generically help her you know the moment like, he came back it changed everything i guess you know <laughs> yeah butterfly I, I, wings nathan butterfly I have wings. Problems. <laughs> All right, so Cammy, what do you think about Nixley and what do you think about that story? 
the uh the search for horcruxes you mean yeah yeah um i i understood that they were trying to tie it into their broader you know ethical moral themes this season of here are all the ways to be bad and here's all the ways to be good and you know darkness rises in the light to meet it essentially and i liked mixley i i really didn't like her storyline with lex and it was just unfortunate to me that that was the ending had there been some sort of romantic entanglement whatever towards the beginning and she somehow defeats lex and then he just doesn't appear for the rest of the season which actually lines up with what you were proposing nathan which is that he should have been carrying the first part of the season in Kara's absence if they had just done that as a, as a pacing choice and she had been able to be her true Mixley self towards the end without being a part of the Lex romance at the end, I think it would have been stronger because while the idea of totems can be kind of cheesy and it is obviously, you know, so easily compared to the Paragon storyline from the crossover, which I didn't care for when that happened either, this was done a slightly better way. And a scavenger hunt type of format is fairly well across the like universe type of thing is fairly appropriate given some of the limitations they had in terms of cast and how much can they pack people together and what locations can they show and who can be in what location that format lends itself well to this it really was was just sort of the order of operations they pemmed us wrong this should not have ended with villain romance being the final villain storyline yeah james I'm upset that they didn't come to the logical conclusion I finally accepted by the end of the season of what this was supposed to be, but they just missed the mark on. We have these totems, and all of these totems are basically the same symbology of the rings for Captain Planet. Like, why didn't we get Captain Planet by the end of this? (laughs) <laughs> or at least like a Power Rangers super fight. Like we were almost there. Like with the Lex suits and the power of the gems. I was like, why isn't it just morphin time? Like what is happening? <laughs> it just it felt like I don't know. It just it, James, it felt I, I like... would have preferred a Sentai style like fight sequence at the end to what we got. So it just felt it 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 felt like it got so ridiculous. Like I Everything they were doing with Nixie and and Lex just felt everything those two did together felt insane. And I agree. I liked the Max like hit like her and Mitch. Like I thought it worked out. I I thought it was a better relationship or at least more entertaining and interesting than the previous guy who was with Mitch that was the hunter. Yeah. Um, because like, she's just like, I need you to do a thing for me, but I'm not so cruel that I would like murder you, but I'm going to make it feel like I probably would. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just, I, I, I liked her character. Um, I liked the actress. Uh, I thought she just had a lot. It always felt like she was just having fun with the role, um, which I enjoyed, but yeah it just by the time we get to the end with the totem hunt i was just like oh why is this just terrible uh, 
Well, it seems like they keep changing the rules or they figure out new rules as they're going to. It's again, it's like one of those things of like, I don't know. It feels like if you're going to do that, then you need to establish the rules in the beginning and then just like, you know, just stick with those rules. Well, and yeah, and it's like, oh, well, I guess we, the, the way we work around this is we destroy hope for everybody, for the whole world. We have to do it. It's the only way. And Watch it was them turn like, gray. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? I don't, okay, okay, sure. <laughs> but how else are you going to have that setup where Supergirl can inspire everyone and, and Tinkerbell them? Clap if you want, you know, hope to come back. It was li- like, Nathan, it was like that scene from Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it if was you just a, believe, like, yeah. yeah, like magic <laughs> will happen. Yeah. You know? oh. And you got like a like a couple dozen people in New York around a water fountain to believe in magic, and suddenly you can do magic. Suddenly, yeah. <laughs> and you know, Supergirl got people to believe that there's hope in the world somehow. You know, despite like a fifth dimensional being destroying everything, draining them of all their virtues like well, supergirl gives a five a three minute speech it's and because she yeah. apologized it's the enough. same problem that <laughs> wonder woman 1984 had that that you know like like the writers really love the word hope but they don't understand what it means <laughs> so it's like we'll throw the word around love and hope yeah we'll just throw those words around but it's like i don't think you understand what the words mean and you don't understand that there needs to be basis for these things for people to believe in the you know like yeah i don't know it's just like there, there are ways word. to make this. You can make inspirational characters that inspire hope, but just telling people you need to have hope and hope is good is not like that doesn't convince anyone of anything. It's a telling rather than showing. Right. If Wait. she had done something that was seen and caused you know, some sort of belief or hope or inspiration, yeah. I think we would have bought into that more, even if it's cheesy. It's Of course it's cheesy. It's comic book superhero show we're we're willing to suspend disbelief there it's this big public speech type of situation that was like uh, don't really care who would have been given this this wouldn't i wouldn't have bought into it and they had an opportunity here and i thought this is how they were going to go with it because like for a good portion of the season they were building up to it with the introduction of the secretary of state of these two countries going to war and, you know, by the way, watching that and the buildup to what's happening in Russia, Ukraine was really messing with my mind. <laughs> but, you know, uh, they, they had this moment that I really thought Supergirl, I, I thought, like, why don't they have a scene where she flies in between two tanks or, or something like that and, and then gives a speech like on a battlefield or, or whatever. She stops the war before it happens, just before it happens, before the first shot is fired. That would have been the moment to do that. That would have been more believable or more you Sorry, know at least i imagine her like grabbing a missile in each hand that like the <laughs> missiles are going to the other countries and then they're just holding them while she gives the speech <laughs> <laughs> you know That's then william gets the, the shot and it's all good you know <laughs> well her shtick is kind of like pacifism right? right they don't really say pacifism they don't necessarily take that approach here but it, it kind of undercuts a lot. Like pacifist theory kind of undercuts a lot of the yeah. decisions that this show makes. It's just kind of watered down to like a, a general moral and ethics. But Supergirl, you can kind of make the case that she is she leans pacifist. So when you're bringing up the concept of a war, this idea of like, 
she loves humanity. She is an alien who comes in and loves humanity. Same thing as Superman. He is an alien who comes in, he falls in love with a human, but he falls in love with humanity. So her getting humans to kind of like love each other and sit around and like do the whole kumbaya thing, that cheesy but i'm here for it like i'm i'm ready i'm on board and moral and ethically as a viewer i'm on board but like in the context of the story i'm on board it's really just the execution of it should have required just a bit more action from her and especially in a season where action from supergirl is pretty limited because of the like pregnancy and all that sort of stuff i just needed a little bit of action shown that would have inspired this like hope peace kumbaya thing instead of the speech personally I just, I just think it, I, it's hard to imagine like someone who's lo- had literally had their hope drained away from them by magic or whatever to be like inspired by, oh, look, here's this, you know, 20 something beautiful alien with super abilities telling me all I have to do is hope, you know, life, you know, it's like, what do you know? You know, it's, it's just, it, I don't know why anyone would necessarily, especially after having spent a whole season tearing her down you know, making her apologize again and again and again. It just, I don't know. It just didn't. It carries the same energy as like that one lady who did the like spoken word poem to Putin. Yeah. I mean, and well, we see what that did. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, basically I just at that point in time, Kara came across as like an influencer, you know? <laughs> I mean, she might as well have gotten on TikTok or Instagram or whatever and just, yeah. She, Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's how she can continue to do her hard hitting journalism. The stupid yeah. but <laughs> she's she's gonna blog, Nathan. She's that's gonna actually... blog. <laughs> oh, oh god, I hate this. It's because it's like even in the comics, at least for a while, they had Superman quit like the Daily Planet to do a blog, and I'm just like, no, no, that's not the same thing at all. To like actually be part of a real newspaper and to just like write your feelings on a blog. But all right, oh, whatever. And somebody who writes a blog ever won a Pulitzer. I, I don't know if that's ever happened. Don't ask that question too loud. It'll happen next season of the <laughs> You know, if, if, if the past if year Iris will ta- be the one that wins. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if the past year has taught me anything, is that people with blogs apparently have Nobel Prizes and you know PhDs in a whole wide range of scientific subjects. So yeah, I, I can buy it. You know? mm-hmm. All right. But uh, all right. So so yeah, it's like to me it all culminated in like the basically the slap fight between lex and uh and then nixley that was just like i I, like i was so not (laughs) invested in just watching them just like hit each other and it's just like well if i can't love you i will hate you and blah 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 you know like all that stuff and 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 uh, oh and and you know moment of silence for Lillian Luther who was brought in just to be killed and then on her deathbed tell Lena that like she matters and she loves her and all of that and then die and it's just like uh, can, can we oh god like I get that they were trying to do something for Lena but like again like last episode like again validating Lena having Lena feel great in the final season like promoting her is good but the ways that they were doing it were just like oh man this well because it is it's just that moment where it's just like Lena Lena you have value (laughs) and then just dies and you're like oh now she matters Got it was it. everything but like then her body just fades away and her clothes like are just <laughs> left behind like Yoda when he dies. It's like <laughs> Yeah. That's like and it's not even like you have value and dies. It's like 
I spent your entire life making sure you didn't realize your true potential, but you count, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know? And, and, you know, I mean, I get that the whole Luther family is it's a very complicated relationship. And that was one of the things that in previous seasons had actually been depicted, I thought, really good. I felt like Lillian and Lillian's feelings about Lena and her feelings about Lex and Lex's feelings about Lena and Le like the like the sort of triangle there between those three characters had been like developed really well as far as like the sort of love and hate that they yeah. all feel for each other was like one of the really interesting like dynamics of the show and to have it all just kind of like <laughs> come out yeah. like this is just kind of like oh that's like really ham-fisted like that we took away I, all the nuance again you're, you're right like and, and the very first episode i think they did the thing where and i loved it it was where lillian told lex you're not going to kill your sister and he's like but she killed me, you know? Right. <laughs> and, you know? And, and the fact that Lex Luthor is not going to do it because his mom tells him not to. Right. That was beautiful, you know? <laughs> But yeah, I felt it was a weak ending, like for like the, I mean, I get that wasn't the actual ending of the episode, but the whole thing of the, you know, uh, the Nixley and Lex are fighting, but then they open up a portal to the Phantom Zone and the Phantoms just go for them and then they go back and whatever. I, I know there was more to it than that, but I mean... No, there wasn't. There really wasn't. Well, I, that was it. <laughs> yeah, it just felt tedious. And oh, but we got to like do some cameos. We had Jimmy come back and oh, he got to do a guardian <laughs> pose. And then we had, you know, Wynn and Mon show up and Monel. And it's just like, okay. And Monel got to flourish his cape because that's what he does. <laughs> and <laughs> the cape tricks are the dumbest thing the show ever did. <laughs> I just am really happy that we made it an hour and 47 minutes without mentioning Monel. I, I feel really good about us. All right, on but here's the, here's the thing, though. I am shocked because I thought for sure I called it at the beginning of the season. And then, and, and, you know, when they when they killed the whole William thing is I'm like the, the way the season is going to be resolved. And I thought that this was where all the stuff with Kara being sort of ambivalent about her personal life and, and quitting her job and all that is at the end she's going to go to the future with monel like she's going to decide that you know in the future i can be you know myself you know i don't have to like have a secret identity i can just be part of the legion and i love monel and we're going to go and that was the biggest shock to me is that not how it ended i thought for sure that was where they were going and you know it's cute because she's actually you know married to him in real life and blah 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 and you know all that but like they didn't do that and that that shocked me they went the opposite and monel said this is the last time i'm ever going to come back to the past yep. and uh, basically saying hey we will never be together this is it you know so i actually i, I give them credit for that that was pretty commendable brave <laughs> yeah in terms of like what like Kara and being loved whether that be family love romantic love etc i think for a hero that so obviously needs and thrives off of it because she is within the you know the superman umbrella of she is an alien who comes to earth and falls in love with falls in love with falls in love with humans what a tongue twister <laughs> and has to you know kind of reconcile this idea to, like she wants to love and protect them but they also need to love and protect themselves and that's kind of how this whole you know universe develops for her for superman for any of the you know kryptonians or most heroes kind of in that position 
I don't know that they left her with enough love at the end. And it didn't have to be romantic. I personally didn't like Monel. I personally didn't like her with most of the room. I don't think any of the romantic interests that they threw at her and they kind of, there was just too many and they wouldn't commit to the bit on it, whatever. Honestly, William was probably the best one, but forgettable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we're in this situation where romance might not be where she's getting her love from but even with family you know you see her sister who you know she gets married and she has a kid now and she has all of that and we just don't see Kara in proximity to them enough we see some game nights we see her you know reconnect with her fan her you know back in you know previous seasons we've seen some scenes with her adoptive parents and so on but there's just a lack of love considering the number of times they have tried to throw love at her. So we're left with her going off on this like grand new adventure at the end. And I think we're supposed to see her as quite young still at the beginning of her adulthood, going off in search of herself and, and what she wants and have having this freedom to, you know, be her truest self and not have a, a fake identity but I don't know that we're actually left very hopeful that she's going to successfully find love with humanity in whatever form that may be. I, I mean, she even like her, you know, her best friend is is Lena and that's another place where she can get love. And we don't actually see that much of that this season either. And some of it is logistics, but they kind of wrote themselves into this position in the end because there were previous seasons where she could have had that. She could have had whatever kind of love with humanity that, you know, they, they wanted to show. It, it doesn't that- mean that the ending was, you know, bad or unhopeful or unloving but it was the the culmination where i think they had to face limitations that were written seasons past yeah no i think i think you're right about that because like yeah like well i was i was surprised they didn't go with the way that i wanted or not what i wanted that i predicted um I still didn't feel very satisfied by the route that they went. And I still find it hilarious that now we've had Oliver Queen come out as the Green Arrow. We've now had Kara come out as Supergirl. And the actual character in the comics, who canonically does not have a secret identity, The Flash, is still having a secret identity in the in the show. So, or in his show. So I just find that kind of funny that it's like, yeah, like the characters yeah. who do have secret identities in the comics, we are having them come out, but you know, not Barry. He came right. out as his actual identity. He would have to be prosecuted for <laughs> years of unethical police conduct and manipulation of journalism. Maybe and then all know, those people that got convicted, they're out. Right locking right. up people without <laughs> due process without due process and i mean i don't know In what the statute of limitations is on time travel and changing the past but i feel like there's probably that's got to be like illegal in some jurisdictions you know? <laughs> yeah. well okay well that's the other thing from the from the last well there's a few more things from the last episode i want to talk about but like the whole idea that we just go to brainy who's like hey you know what i've been watching oh, barry for a while and i'm changing time i don't care anymore like we're supposed to not care about it because brainy's from the future but if you look at it from the point of view of people living in his time what brainy is doing in the end is basically the stuff we're always saying you know barry is horrible for doing he's just like oh you know what i'm not supposed to stay here and yeah they need me in the future but you know screw them i don't care anymore you know well well, and two questions on that note dealing with the time it's like 
Okay, how is Gideon from DC's Legends of Tomorrow not gone nuts about all the time aberrations <laughs> that any of these people have like created? How are the like legends not be just beating up superheroes? <laughs> How's that not happening? Actually, that would be funny if that was like an episode of The Flash, like Barry, you know, has another one of his genius plans to go back in time. And then it's like the legends are there and it's like, no, you're not going to do this anymore, Barry. I would actually, that would actually be a fun way of dealing with it for once. And with the new Speed Force, there's a time god. Right. How is that guy not just like <laughs> all of you? Just stop. Just stop messing with time. I mean, apparently it's a direct connection between when the exact moment in the legion and supergirl because like literally she gives a speech and then the legion shows up and says we heard your speech you know <laughs> yeah you it should have been in the books you know right. i mean but you just you every know, child just learns speech. the speech you know yeah, like as the the in the school yeah. yeah uh yeah no that that frustrated me because it's like it's okay to have a tragic romance right like it's okay for it to be like okay dreamy and, and brainy were together they yeah. always knew it should you know wasn't smart but you know but then in the end he's got to go back to the future and it's okay you know yeah. like that's it it's a tragic but it's like oh no like you know cw we we want to have happy endings so it's like happy well, yeah, endings. And, it's, and, it, and it's such a direct like contradiction of like how time supposedly worked because brainy comes from a future where he already knows of dreamer right. he knows about an entire life that she has had and so without it's just, him without him <laughs> it's just yeah. like yeah screw that <laughs> well and then they're saying like even like he's needed to help the kaluans in the future so it's like not only like even taking time travel off the table he's also just like i don't care about helping he's my doomed people his whole species of people <laughs> i don't care about them what they ever do for him you know <laughs> Yeah, like it just it it does it it feels it feels wonky and weird. I I'm with you. I could have I could have done completely with tragic love story where yeah. it's just like you know we can't be together. And honestly, I think it would have made Dreamer a stronger character for the long run. Yeah. Um, where it's just like yeah, like she had a great love and it was gone, but that person helped her get to where she is and become the hero she was meant to be for the future um that that would have been that would have been just fine that would have been perfect but yeah and it's not like it's like it's not like it's like a dark ending because you know kelly and alex get together and we get told that john and mcgon are gonna get together you know like so it's like it's like you know you win some you lose some you know it's like like everything has to like go in the positive direction so i don't know i, I just felt like that again because I, I i i'm traumatized by the flash and barry's like sort of like cavalier episode like like uh attitude towards changing yeah. time but it's like every time changing it's time is no brought up deal. in another show i'm like no no don't do it <laughs> Guys, I'm never going to travel through time and change anything ever again. <laughs> oh, I would have been just satisfied with Dreamer going to the future with Brainy. I mean, you know, she asked, you know, it, I think that would have satisfied all of it. Like, you know, uh, then, then it's kind of a mystery. Except that we know that Dreamer has a descendant that's part of the Legion. That's one of the things Brainy said in the very beginning. So, I mean, like, does that person just fade away? There you go. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know. That's kind of mean. now it's now it's a now now it's a half Kaluan half uh, whatever species her people are <laughs> with a dream whip. So yeah. it's a Kaluan with a dream whip. <laughs> oh God! Don't get me started on like I mean, the dream powers. Could, I mean, again, this would have involved 
more time than they had her, but fine. They, they could have had Dreamer go to the future with uh, Brainy and then have her pass the mantle to her sister. Like, you know, once she's gone, maybe her sister becomes the Dreamer like she always thought she oh, was going to yeah, be that, or something like that. Yeah, that would have been interesting. That's yeah. a really interesting idea. I think we we see certain characters care more about the implication of time travel and the effects of time travel than others, which can be kind of frustrating. But ultimately, you know, with Nia being such a good person, it makes sense that she cares quite a bit about the potential downsides of time travel and likewise brainy I, I guess to an extent what what becomes i guess a little bit frustrating is we see so many characters get happy endings except for like in terms of like being with somebody and having like a, a family and a part blah 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 except for kara and we're still given this sort of like a little bit of an empty girl boss message of like she doesn't need somebody to be complete and be happy but like at the same time the again the entire premise is that she's supposed to be in love with humanity and with superman that comes in the form of being in love with a human lois yeah. and we just don't see that personal connection for Kara. And, and I think that's a struggle when literally you know everyone else is pairing off after prom type of i don't know it, there's you know, one person that loves Kara more than everybody else, I'm certain of it, and that's Cat Grant. You know what? You're so right. <laughs> I cannot yeah. argue. Wonderful. I mean, I mean, all right, but we're gonna talk about Cat in a second. I just want to say, just to see off of what Cami was saying, though, like, yeah, like I've been one of the biggest advocates for the series not pairing Kara off because I think it's great for her to add some time like as a single character you know to just not have like the show like bogged down with romantic subplots and you know to show that hey it's okay if like you don't have that you don't have to have a boyfriend constantly like you know find the right person don't feel like you always need somebody right now like kind of thing and um you know but then yeah by by the end I, I expected i thought that she would have somebody at the end you know i felt like that would be you know like a nice or, thing because you know a lot of people do a lot of people want i mean it's certainly way more common than people who don't have any romantic feelings you know most people want to have a romantic pairing in their life so you know i mean it's like yeah it's part of a happy ending for our main character you know like I mean, have her find somebody I would have been happy if she went to uh, to Argo City and her her father's alive, her mother's alive. They're reunited. Why didn't she go? You know, stay with her parents for a little while. Like okay, every... we were talking about romantic stuff, and you're like, her father's no, alive. And no, I'm no, like, but it's, it's another Ryan, love. Where are you but, going but, I mean, with this, man? There are, but first off, there are <laughs> other you know Kryptonians there as well. Right, so anything right. could have happened. But the point is, like, you know every millennial moves back in with their parents at some point in time. So, you know, that's, this is where it should have ended. You know? Well, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was thinking she was going to go into the future, but yeah, also going to Argo city would be another way where it would be mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't have to like pretend there, but I can just be myself. And so, yeah, but yeah, instead we have her like, basically like, I mean, I knew when she did like the courage stone or whatever, the courage totem. And it was like, it like went back to the first episode and it was saying she didn't have courage. I was like, I instantly knew what it was trying to tell. I was like, it was saying she should have revealed her identity, like, like she should have been like out and proud, basically, and not like concealed who she was. Um, and so, yeah, like it took her a very long time to figure that out. But I was like, oh, I, I know where this is going. Um, but uh, but yeah, Kat, we had Kat. How much did you squee, James? A lot. Yeah. I love Kat Grant. <laughs> 
Like, okay, so so here's the thing. Is I mean, this... It's an obvious green screen. They just had her, like, oh, going, yeah. like, somewhere in L.A. And just, like, we put a bed on a set and there's a green screen. You're on the beach. Pretend. <laughs> like, I, so the funny thing is, is, like, I, I have, like, a mini crush on Callista Flockhart. <laughs> okay. Because when I was younger. Mini, miniature, just small, yeah, tiny. Yeah, just, just a little bit. It's not as right. big as my crush for Carl Urban. Like, I love <laughs> Carl <laughs> um, But I was just like, you know, I, I, my mom had me watch Ally McBeal with her. Like, my mom, that was the show my mom always watched. And so I watched her a lot on that. And it was like, I never saw her in anything after Ally McBeal ended. And I was like, oh. And then, you know, it's like, oh, she married Indiana Jones. Solo, and I was just like, oh, okay. Is she doing anything else? And like, just never saw her anything. And I've just loved her since day one of Supergirl. Like, seeing Callista Flockhart on screen, being Cat Grant, like, really enveloping the character so well. I just loved it. I was, and so, yeah, it's like her on a beach. I was like, I don't care if that's in her backyard and it's a green screen. Like, this is worth it. This is worth it 100% the whole season worth it <laughs> i gotta say i that scene i expected her to say now i'm off to atlantis for my one-on-one exclusive interview with aquaman or something you know cammy uh, what do you think about seeing cat i was thrilled and again like it was cheesy it could have been it could have been one of those situations where you know you see those like phone calls between characters and you know they didn't film it at the same time yeah and it's like really it could have been it could have been terrible the screenwriting could have been to every bad lighting filmed on an iphone in her bathroom i still would have been fine like it was great she she really has good rapport with Kara as well and it was it was interesting to see that translate in situations where they're very obviously not in the same room and it's just on the phone blah blah when she is giving advice she balances that level of comedy and you know, kind of caring advice and the cutthroatness that is characteristic of the humanity that Kara loves. And I think, I mean, that would have been another, you know, source of, of love, that mentor-mentee relationship that we got to see briefly before Kat left. It, I, it was good to see that come into this season for Kara and as somebody with a not miniature crush on Callista but a very large crush on Callista I was also thrilled to see her back <laughs> yeah I, I was so happy to see her like it's like the show needed her so bad like when they teased that she was coming back at the end of season two and she's just like oh crap like get like all these weights and crap that Jimmy's put in here out of here and I'm just like oh, they've they got her back they gave her enough money this is going to be excellent and then like and season three, they just hand wave that away with, oh, she's become like the White House press secretary or whatever. And I was just like, okay, uh, sure. But that really st- sucks. And we haven't really had a good head of CatCo since then. Although, you know, Andrea was better than Jimmy. Um, but so it was good. It was good. Like the idea that Cat's taking back over, you know, CatCo and, you know, she's you know giving car advice again and just the banter was was really good and and yeah i mean it's sad that it was such a short scene and that's all we get but um you know was was happy to see her now speaking of andrea again one last time does anyone think that her like 
creating some William foundation or whatever she was doing at the end there is really like makes up for everything <laughs> it's like I was looking at that I was like is that supposed to be like her redemption is like she's like she was like I forget what she was doing but it was something in his name that she was doing and I was just like uh, okay well I mean in her defense she didn't kill him I mean she published Lex killed him you You're know right. uh yeah she sure she broke a lot of ethical rules she published under his name without him uh without his permission definitely wrong but i mean well yeah she should probably never be allowed to like work in journalism again um i don't know that that she's like irredeemable okay i mean i don't know that there's a lot of places she should work again her whole <laughs> technology thing blew up in her face before <laughs> for ethical and technological <laughs> reasons hey a lot of that was lex and lena you know? yeah but who's gonna believe i mean that's all stuff we know as viewers because we saw like how everything went down but i don't know like i think all that blows back on her uh yeah. as the person who was you know promoting the technology but yeah no i don't know i just kind of rubbed me the wrong way that i'm like really like if they just had andrea like sort of like we we find out catco's bought back the company we don't see anything more of andrea it's just kind of like but it was just kind of like, you know, but, like, oh, like I'm making up for it all by doing this. And it was just kind of like, yeah, see, I don't know. That I was fine with. What I wasn't fine with was Andrea feeling immediately better after one conversation with Lena. He goes, yeah, you did a bad thing. Now be a good person and it'll be all be okay. And like, oh, got it. Bam. You know? I'm not a then, bad person now. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> So you flirted with being a villain. <laughs> Lena like writes a book. <laughs> what a great title for a book for Lena to write. Actually, can we get a whole spinoff based off that? Just like in the in the vibe of like Sex in the City, and it's like Lena writing her book. That's Develops great. like a whole ten step rule system for how you yes. like avoid the pitfalls. It was just like the cheesy like music and editing that's associated with like a rom com or like a. You know, and then, like, everyone's going, I'm such a Lena. No, right? you're a Kara. No, I'm, like, 40% dreamer. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to put it past the CW. Like, if you actually pitch that to them, they might. Uh... Well, I mean, okay. It'll right, get sponsored by this. Maybelline in a second. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> okay, all right, not, not have to do this. Kara is Carrie. Um, Alex is Miranda. Um, Lena is uh, Samantha. And Dreamer is Charlotte. Bam. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I've never seen Sex in the City. That was before my time. I cannot corroborate, but that sounds so right. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> I never watched Sex in the City either, but that's just because it's not the kind of show I would watch. But anyway. <laughs> hey, you know right, what? Your guys. fans are going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, all right, anything else that you want to talk about with Supergirl um, before we go? Well, I mean, I guess I should ask overall, like, are you happy with the ending? Do you, do you feel like, do you feel like this is like a good stopping point or do you feel like they should have done like another, another season? So uh, start with you on this one, Cammie. I, I think there was a lot in this season in terms of, giving characters some independent time to shine, giving Kara some time to be single that should have been in seasons two and three, one, two and three type of thing. But 
at this point, we're in season six. We can't go back in time. We can't unimpregnate our lead actress. We can't undo a global pandemic. You know, we're sort of, well, actually a few of those things could be undone, but like for the sake of the argument, none of these things can be helped. So this was the finale that we could have. And I think they made some creative choices to just do kind of as much as possible where possible. Sometimes that was a win, such as, you know, randomly green screening in some of our faves. And sometimes it was a little bit of a stumble, but I, I, you know, I appreciated the effort. I appreciated when they did let Kara shine and remember that it, you know, kind of was her story and not like 50,000 stories under the sun and giving it additional seasons, I don't think would make it better. I think this was the, the, the final quality. The only thing that I would perhaps be interested in seeing more of would be like a witch spinoff for Lena or something like that. But it would be like me and two other people exactly like me watching it and probably won't happen there were rumors for a while of a legion spinoff with uh monel and uh and win and, and all of them so. <laughs> have a monel spinoff i will personally do everything in my power to destroy it okay <laughs> <laughs> all right james what do you think about how it ended um i think it was fine and I don't like fine. <laughs> like I, I always want a show to end in in I don't know, like the best fashion that it should. Um, so it's when you uh, get a show like like it's like when you see like a season of a show, like the first season comes out and then they just end it, but they had all kinds of different plot points. Um, or you get to like uh, the 100, where it's just like, oh, we're going to cancel it after like season three. And then surprise, we killed all our characters, but everybody loved you killing all the characters. So <laughs> now we're going to renew you for a season four. So it's like, I, I don't like where a show like uh, rushes a bunch of stuff through just to make logical endpoints to try to tie it up in time. And that's definitely what this season felt like in in a lot of ways from the very beginning was like we're just wrapping up plot points as quickly as we possibly can um, to get us to the end. And we're just going to throw some really zany stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense right into it because reasons. Um, but I I do, for the most part, like where things end with characters. Um, even when wanting some of those endings to be a little bit different, but for Kara herself, I think it ends in a positive place where they could just go and she and she lives happily ever after whatever that ever after is going to be for her. And and I guess that's fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's not my favorite ending, but I'm not mad either. I'm not I'm not banging down somebody's door over at WB going, what are you doing on this EW? So. Oh, no, I think maybe more people should be banging on the doors of the CW and asking what they're doing. Uh, Ryan, uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean, you know, to echo that point, it, it's always better when a show chooses to end versus mm. when they're forced to end. Um, you know, I, I don't know how the participants feel about it. I don't know how Melissa feels about it. I don't know how any of the other, like if they were ready to move on or whatever. But um, it, there's a sadness to it when a show gets canceled. Because you know they're not going out on the top; they're going out because 
like not enough people are watching it. So so then they maybe they feel the need to do kind of crazier things. Um, this this I'm not. I would have preferred they went out more on top. This was not on top. It wasn't. I don't know that it was the worst season. I need to actually go back and physically, if not rewatch them, at least read maybe listen to podcasts about them you know <laughs> um, uh, and then decide you know which season was the worst but i don't i know that i know for a fact this wasn't the best and um i guess I, I honestly for me what this season felt like and this is something we didn't talk about maybe that we should have was that this season as far as being the last season of it was not a good last season of supergirl and it was not a good first season of the super friends either you uh-huh. know i mean <laughs> oh god they kept using the term super friends and i cringed exactly. every single time oh I, I blocked that out of my memory no they were they pushed the super friends bad and i thought you know once i accepted that this was like really not the end of supergirl but season one and only of the super friends it kind of made it better <laughs> it kind of made it more bearable you know? yeah like the thing that got me was like how everyone suddenly takes up the terms like if it had just been used like ironically by somebody like referring to Kara's group as the super yeah. friends like oh it's a little inside joke because that was an actual cartoon <laughs> but then like suddenly everyone refers like, to them as yeah. the super friends and it is just like why 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 would legitimate journalists call them that like no like because it's not like they ever like publicly appeared and said we are the super friends you know so it's not like a term they applied to themselves but it's just like uh... literally it should have been an insult from lex a funny insult from lex that's that's what it should have been but basically i just feel like this show never had the budget or the support to do what it needed to do or what they wanted to do so i guess i'm like sad that it's going away but i'm also I'm got an hour free every week now (laughs) and that's good too (laughs) yeah Yeah, I mean for me I mean I I think it's fine that it ended where it did like I said there were certain decisions they made that I wasn't a big fan of but you know I think that in some ways was almost a mercy killing and and frankly since I suspect this was probably like a Melissa decision anyway even though she hasn't said that publicly but I feel like with her having a kid and everything and just wanting probably wanting to be a mom you know for a few you know for year or two it might have been a thing where she was kind of ready to go and it's better to have somebody when they're ready to go than to like force them to like keep doing it after you know like feel like oh i need the money or whatever and like just keep doing it after you've lost like any like real drive to do it and i don't know i mean like i feel like they could have budgeted their time better or if they were going to do more stuff with the side characters so that the promotions in this season made sense that would have been fine but again it's just like it felt like unless you were going to use these characters you didn't need to spend all this time on them when you're ending and so uh that that was the main thing i I feel like there were some lost opportunities we might have gotten a better storyline if they had used some of those like character-centric episodes for other you know for a different kind of story or whatever um but uh you know it is what it is and and you know it's nice that at least we got to see a bunch of old faces you know i think everyone that's ever been like a main character on the show showed up at the end and, and for some amount of time and so it was kind of nice to see everybody again you know i mean monel's monel but you know it's nice seeing win again so you know you know I, 10 bucks says they asked him back he said no and they said we'll let you sing a duet and he said yes <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah. <laughs> sure all right but yeah anything we, we haven't talked about with the show that you want to talk about james big shout out to little mila jones the cutest little girl 
I mm-hmm. think in any TV show I've ever seen, Esme <laughs> was the highlight of any episode for me because I was like, she's just the most adorable child. How can nobody just love being on set every day with that kid? She was a cute kid. Yeah, uh, that's, that's Esme was who I was going to say too. We we didn't talk about her. I mean, like she was. It was a bit saccharine at times, but like yeah. con, con, compared to like. Uh, recently i watched um the blacklist and and i don't i hate disparaging on especially child actors but like the little girl that they had playing the daughter in that show is just so wooden and then to see this and i was like oh my god she can actually yeah she's the child but she can act i'm buying this and of course the moment you saw her like I, she was on the screen for two seconds like alex is gonna adopt her you know it, oh, right nothing. no I, yeah. Yeah. but I, yeah. well, and frankly i am impressed that they were able to find a way to work it out with alex to have because you know i felt like you know when they had the whole thing where like alex is like no i'm going to be a mom and that's the most important thing i'll ruin my relationship i'll do anything i have to do this and i'll be head of the deo and all this and i'm just like whoa like this is like crazy like i yeah. i am impressed that they found a way by the end of the show they did drop the whole head of the deo thing but to get her a stable relationship and get her a kid and it felt natural it didn't feel like oh we just shoehorned it that's the that's the thing that got development that's the thing that actually got real development was alex's relationship with kelly and the adoption and all of that like that's the thing that actually felt like a natural growth of the characters and not just something where it's like crap we gotta like shoehorn in like five seasons of development for these characters you know uh right now because we don't have any more time and it, and it was such a, a low-key point of drama, but Esme, like, the, the arguments that Kara and Alex had about her, about, like, training her, that was good stuff. I, I would, yeah. they should have, that should have been a lot more of that, because, like, you know, Alex is suddenly the protective mom, and Kara's like, no, I've been here, I know what, you know, the situation she's like, and the parallels to their own childhood growing up and everything were perfect, and I thought, man, like, if we, if we had more of that, it would have been a better show yeah i mean real conflict that actually like mirrors things that people actually do wow what a concept it's also well paced to have it at this point in the show because that is the type of conflict that you have after you've been introduced to a character seen them develop seen them de- you know experience a relationship have powers have experience and now they're adopting a kid and passing it on so a lot of the plot lines that we struggled with this season were ones that are not what you would expect for se- like season six of the show this was the plot line that i would expect to be done well in season six of the show and was uh ryan anything we didn't talk about oh i think you said esme was the thing you wanted to bring up right yeah mm-hmm. okay anything else i'll just give a shout out to the blocking and filming of the send-off between uh lena and Kara in the final episode at the wedding as it was filmed like a wedding and like they were saying vows to each other um i didn't win but that's pretty close to pretty close to a w so i'll collect lena's lena's dress at that <laughs> wedding that purple was gorgeous you know uh, i don't that's know I, I, I just saw lena i was like oh like we're going really going for the witch thing now aren't we <laughs> it's just like it's like now i've got to change my wardrobe i've got to do every like i'm a witch now and i'm just gonna make sure that everybody knows i'm a witch <laughs> 
All right. But uh, yeah, no, I don't have anything more that I wanted to bring up. But uh, yeah, so final time talking about Supergirl, uh, everybody. And uh, it's good to have you on to talk about it. But uh, now's the time to say your goodbyes and let people know where they can find you. So uh, let's start with you, Cammy. Well, thank you for having me, Nathan. And thank you for letting me talk all things Supergirl. You can find me on Twitter and all other social media at Cammy and Ray. I will be talking about all of the new television that's kind of coming out right now all of a sudden, including but not limited to Superman and Lois and Naomi. All right. And James? Well, you can find me at Roman on the Rocks pretty much across everything that exists out there. If I'm on it, I'll be there. But (laughs) um, yeah, and uh, maybe a Twitch stream soon. So we'll see. All right. And Ryan. Well, um, you know, good luck finding me frankly you know um i'm out there but you have to work for it uh but i'm worth it frankly you know um you can find me on facebook uh you're better better look there than on twitter or anything like that um and all you can always go to geekstranger.com because i i do pay a couple bucks a month for the site nothing absolutely nothing new on there but you can tell me if it's working if it loads i'd appreciate that yeah, it's like two and a half years since the last time you updated it with anything <laughs> And I was completely right about my predictions for Boba Fett. Thank you very much. <laughs> or, or The Mandalorian. Whatever, no, it's The Mandalorian. It's The Mandalorian, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boba Fett hadn't even been announced. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, Cammy, James, and Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And that's it for our Supergirl episode. It's kind of funny because I'm recording this outro quite a few months after we recorded the episode. And we've gone from an ascendant DC television presence on the CW to now questioning if by the end of 2023 there will be any DC content left on the CW. There's only the potential for the new Gotham Knight series to continue on and for Superman and Lois to be to continue on. And we won't know the fate of either of those shows, I believe, until May of 2023. So... We'll see what happens when we do our review of the final season of The Flash and of this next season of Superman and Lois. At that point, we'll probably know what's going on with the DC content on The CW and be able to talk about it a little bit. The jury's still out on whether I'm even going to talk about Gotham Knights or not. It'll depend on what I see in that series and if I feel like there's anything worth talking about. But anyway... We hope that you enjoyed this episode about Supergirl. We hope that you've enjoyed our journey with Supergirl. We've been covering it since season three. So in some ways, it's kind of sad to see it go. But I think I think Supergirl was kind of at a point when it needed to end. It was getting a little long in the tooth. And in hindsight, The Flash probably should have taken a page out of, out of Supergirl's book and ended a little bit earlier than it is. But who knows? Flash Season 9 might be excellent. But anyway, (laughs) let us know what you thought of this episode. You can do that in a variety of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website, 42cast.com, and leave a review on any of the episodes there. You can also go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or contact us on either Twitter or Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, The one on Apple Podcasts helps us because it will promote our show more in searches. 
So if you do have an Apple account, I would really appreciate if you would leave a review. I also want to mention the ESO Network Patreon. That's a place where you can go to support all the shows on the network. There are various tiers for different levels of contribution. You can get access to early episodes, exclusive episodes, or even a whole exclusive ESO Network podcast. So go to patreon.com slash ESO Network, check that out, and if you have any funds to contribute, we would certainly appreciate it. You can find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to buy the episodes to listen to it. We describe the important things that happen in every story. So if you just want to hear our banter, you can do that. But definitely, if you either have the episodes already or want to buy the episodes, you'll get more out of it if you're following along with the series with us. You can also find me on Legendary Forces. That's where Juliet and I again, but also joined by our friends Joe, Ashley, and Corey, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. So that's all the movies, TV shows, comics, novels, anything that takes place in the Star Wars universe. We talk about it. We talk about the quality of it. But we're also talking about Star Wars in the sense of a evolving franchise. You know, what, what is the Star Wars universe? What are the things that are informing the Star Wars universe? And how is it changing over time? So if that sounds interesting to you, that is Legendary Forces. Come check us out. In other news, I'm making my preparations to go to Chicago TARDIS this year. I don't know what panels I will be on yet. Hopefully I'll be able to get that information out before the con so that uh, if any of you are coming to Chicago TARDIS, you can come, you can say hi, whatever. Otherwise, if you just hear my voice, uh, feel free to come up and say hi anyway at Chicago TARDIS. But I uh, look forward to seeing some of you there. In other news, finished She-Hulk on Disney+, Plus. watching the Rings of Power on Amazon right now. I have opinions, but I'm not going to state them here because I'm going to do episodes on both of those things. So watch this space. We'll definitely talk about those series. And next up, I think, is Andor. It's getting close to the end of when that's uh, going to finish up. So then, of course, I like to binge the season once it's complete. So I'll be watching Andor soon. We'll do an episode on that as well, I'm sure. So keep watching this space. Hope to have more recent content as we sort of chug through the backlog i know this past month hasn't really helped because we've kind of set ourselves back again we're about four or five weeks behind whereas hoping we would be here but we're back had a lot of stressors and a lot of things coming up but we're back now things should be a lot more regular from here i know i probably shouldn't state that publicly but oh well i'm not a superstitious person all right well that's a wrap on supergirl Join us back next week when Cal Dodd will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon 
or by shopping for the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.